The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about The Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. This is a great weekend to be at The Creek. If you're new to The Creek, and and, and we have grown so much in the last year, um, this is our State of the Ministry address, and this is a great day to be here because we're going to talk through a lot of data. We're going to talk through some numbers and some stats, and uh, I started kind of just going with God a little bit the other day, going, God, is this... I know it's important. I mean, as a business leader and as a pastor, I have to know this data. I have to be up on what this is. But is this important for us to share to the church? Or could we just print it and send it out? And I I just really felt God say, this is what you celebrate. I mean, what you celebrate gets accomplished. And, And this is us to put some tangibility to the work of God at the creek. Um, We started almost six years ago. March 21st is our sixth anniversary. In January of 2010, we started in a game room. Here's a picture of the game room. Um, We were filling up game rooms back in 2010. Um, So this was one of our first services. The seating was a lot comfortable. You know, it was a challenge to go when we launched publicly because we went from a, a game room to a daycare and uh, we've got that. That's, that's what the, the worship setting looked like. And then go to the next picture. This, <laughs> the, this gives you an idea of what the weeks were like at the daycare. Um, we squeezed 120 chairs into a space a little bit bigger than this platform and man, we were three services sharing the gospel. We went from couches to that hard seating, but uh, it was an incredible journey. And then in 2014, we moved into here when God brought an incredible partnership with Heartsong. And then through that partnership, um, they've assimilated into us and Pastor Steve's on staff with us part-time now. And so our family just got bigger. Um, and it wasn't that they were extended family because with, with Christ, we're all family. So uh, we're excited to have that transition. There's incredible things going on. Um, I get questions about structure and government, so I can answer these publicly. Um, structurally, we're set up as a board-driven, elder-driven church. And so the way that looks is we have a corporate board that oversees the business functions of our church. We have a CFO on that board. We have a pastor on that board. Um, Heather and I are on that board. And then we we have business leadership on that board. And so they oversee us as a corporation. Um, They do my annual review. I actually handed off accountability. So I don't set my salary. They set my salary and they do an annual review on me. And and I submit to them. And then we have a board of elders that I submit to, that um, we're all equals on this board of elders, but they oversee the governing of the ministry of the, of the church. And so we've got the business covered and the ministry covered. And so our elders are, are Joseph Real, Mike Harrison, and, and Ron Davis. If you haven't met them, they do oversight. You can find them in the lobby. Just say, I'd like to meet the elder. If you have a problem with me, then that's your escalation point. Because um, you know, like when you call and you're like, I need to speak to your supervisor. People are like, who's your supervisor? I'm like, God. <laughs> Take it up with him. But if you have a complaint, you can talk to the elders and, and they'll help you through that and they'll help me through that and then we'll, we'll, we'll work, work through whatever that is. Um, and then people ask about me. I went to school at Southwestern Assembly of God University. That's where I went when God called me into ministry. That's where I got my ministry credentialing degrees. I'm not credentialed with Assemblies of God because I'm non-denominational. We're a non-denominational church. We're not affiliated with any denomination whatsoever. 
ever. And so uh, uh, that's just the way God called us to roll. But let me go through some data with you. I've got heart data and hard data. And I, I call those two things heart data and hard data for that, the purpose of some of you like the numbers and charts and all that. And then some of you like the emotion and feel good of what's gone on in ministry. And so uh, I'm going to kind of talk through some, some highlights of ministry. And in 2015, we saw 20 decisions for Christ. And then in addition to that, we're 12 kids and four youth. And so we saw life change. And our mission is to glorify God with lives changed by the message of Jesus. Um, I'm going to talk to you about what I, what I think we're going to see this year, um, what we saw last year in our growth. Uh, and then 26 of them followed in baptism. See, th- to follow Christ in obedience means that when we're saved, we follow him in baptism. I did Adam and Becca's ceremony Friday night. They made a covenant before God, and then they shared rings. They put rings on. That's what baptism does. It shows publicly, I'm taken. I, I belong to God, and, he, and he, is, he is mine. We have a covenant relationship. And so 26 people followed in baptism. Our, our growth over, over the last year, there's three types of growth that we saw in 2015. Um, we saw transfer growth. And what that means is there are people that are engaged in other churches and God has called them to move and say, you know, I feel like God's moving me and and he's put you into service and work here at the creek. And so he's transferring. We had people from the creek that transferred. And some of that's not all like, and not all transfer growth is I'm just fed up with my church. It's God puts it in our heart to move us. And some of that, we have military in our church that transferred out. We have military in our church that transferred in. And we have jobs that transferred in and out. And so we saw transfer growth. Those people are saved and they're ready to come in and serve, serve the Lord here at the creek. And then there was a group that I love seeing come into church. It's those unchurched people. It means they have never been in church. I mean, we, we have people that come to the creek every weekend that their only church experience is a funeral or a wedding. And, and I love seeing their experience when they walk into the creek, when, you know, they walk in and service starts and, and the music starts and they're like, this is not what I was expecting. I mean, what were you expecting? Death, you know? I mean, some of us have been bored to death growing up in church, which is the third group, the de-churched. You know, those are the people that grew up in church. I did my time. I am out of here, Jack. You know, I've heard enough of the preacher yelling at me and, and, and what I should do and the stop at ministries, like you get your stuff cleaned up. And, and so people have walked away from church. And so some, some of those people that walked away from church have come back to church at the creek. And it's funny because you get invited. You're like, let me take you to lunch. I'm going to pick you up about nine o'clock though, but we're going to go to lunch. Okay. Um, we'll call it brunch, but I, we're going to make one stop just like an hour and five minutes, man. It's good. I'll get you coffee on the way. So uh, those people, it, it's nice to see that they can experience church of how Jesus created church to be. Because church is not a building. Church is the people of Christ. And Jesus is life. And so therefore, his body should be full of life. The church should be full of life. I mean, we should, we should be celebrating. This should be a place where we come in and, and the life happens and we're encouraged. And it's an environment where Jesus is worshiped and an environment where people can experience Jesus and their life gets changed. And I love that. So that's some of the growth that we've seen. Some of the other things that, that we can't put tangible numbers to are things that go on in the ministries. We launched the Night of Presence. We said in our 2015 state of the ministry that we were going to launch some new ministries. The night of presence is a time on Sunday nights for us to to just get out of the normal routine, spend time in the presence of God. 
We saw things happen um, in missions. You know, we started seeing international missions start to take some, some steps. And then Heather and I got to go to Africa a couple weeks ago, and, and one, one small step for missions in 2015 was a giant leap in 2016, because I, this year we're sending a team to Canada. We're sending a team to Nicaragua. Last year, we sent a team to Nicaragua on our first international mission trip. They built a church in a village that had never had church before. They got to baptize people in that village that had never heard the gospel before which is an incredible win. I love it. Heather and I got to go to Rwanda and spend time with Africa New Life. And I can tell you that is an organization that if you're wondering about an investment of time and money, it is absolutely 110% worth it. And we're going to be putting a lot more money and a lot more time into Africa New Life. And I'm looking forward to you going over and meeting kids. In April, we're going to do a Dream Sunday where you can sponsor kids, you can adopt kids, And you'll see their pictures and get their stories. And then next year, you can go meet them. And when you meet them, when you hug them, let me tell you something. The gospel becomes very tangible to you. Um, We saw freedom and restoration in our freedom ministry. We've seen marriages mended. We've seen addictions broken. We've seen strongholds broken. And and I, I believe that every person in our church needs to go through the freedom ministry. I believe in counseling. And if you're going to go to a counselor, you need to go to a solid, biblically-based Christian counselor who's going to counsel you based on the Word of God. But let me tell you something. Our freedom ministry is going to get in and help you deal with strongholds because in order for you to experience freedom, you've got to deal with the strongholds in your life. You've got to deal with the areas the enemy has a hold of your life. And only until we deal with that on a spiritual level will we see help in our emotions, in our physical life. And so our freedom ministry is awesome. Last year, we got to do a vow renewal ceremony. It was with six couples. We did this right after another. Six couples came in and we renewed vows so that they could have a covenant ceremony and a covenant marriage. It was a beautiful time in our freedom ministry in groups. I'm going to share some some numbers with groups in a second, but with groups, it's hard to put a number and a figure or a stat on how many relationships were formed through our community ministry. What blows my mind is to watch Facebook and to see people taking care of people in the church. When we launched six years ago, Heather and I had to know everything that was going on. I mean, if you had an ingrown toenail and had to have surgery, we we had to know what was going on. I can't know everything in our church. But what I love about it is we have community ministry that is set up so when you go through something, you don't go through it alone. And the church is much bigger than Heather and I. It's much bigger than me. It's much bigger than the staff. And I have loved seeing that take place this year. That's happened in our our group's ministry. In our kids' ministry, it's been an incredible year. Um, In kids' ministry, they had their first VBS, which was... To say insane would be an understatement. If you volunteered, you know what I'm talking about. This year, we need to get some creak earplugs because let me tell you something, your kids, they can scream. I mean, I, I think I probably lost 10 years of hearing. I might have to get a hearing aid 10 years earlier because of how loud the kids were in this room. But let me tell you something that's exciting. Your kids are excited about Jesus. And it's not just at VBS. Every week in our children's ministries, your kids are taught Jesus on their level. Your kids are taught how to have a relationship with Jesus. We don't do babysitting. 
Your kids are taught the gospel. You spend some time with Pastor Tammy, you find out how passionate she and her team are about teaching your kids the gospel. They don't water anything down. They want your kids to be excited about Jesus. They start just like we have community groups for us. Our children's ministry started small groups so that they could have that same community that's happening. Our kids have adopted a nursing home. At at Valentine's Day, they came out on Saturday morning and did a Creek Kids Day, made Valentine's for the the ladies and the men and women at a nursing home and then delivered them. They've done programs at nursing homes. Your kids have a heart for missions. And let me say something about this. You can take your kids to Africa. It's safe. It will change your kids' lives. It'll change your life, mom and dad, when you see your child get that fired up about about the gospel and about missions. Um, in preschool, our preschool ministry, we, we have a center's ministry where your kids, centers, not center's ministry. The whole creek is a center's ministry. I mean, we're all tax collectors and centers anyway, right? But they do centers so your child can learn and experience and have different experiences and it's all around the gospel. So even your toddlers are getting the gospel. Cindy oversees, Cindy Bounds oversees our preschool ministry. She's done an incredible job. Um, she's raised up 19 new volunteers in the children's ministry, in the preschool. And let, let me tell you something, we've got a ways to go. I, I'm challenging 30 people to step up and serve in our preschool ministry, and here's why. We hire paid child care workers on Sunday mornings. We spend $27,000 a year on paid childcare workers. Let me tell you where my heart falls on that. I don't believe in this principle that if you have preschool kids that you should be forced to serve in there. Some of our de-churched have left church because when they had toddlers, they were told, since you have kids in the nursery and you have kids in preschool ministry, you have to serve in here. Here's what I know about moms with, with toddlers because we, well, we've done that. I need a break. Let me tell you something. I love dropping my kids off on Sunday mornings to know that I get an hour and they're getting taught Jesus, but I can go in, I can go to church and I can just be like, and I'll deal with what trouble they get in after church. I'm not going to give names because I don't have 20 bucks on me this morning, but I'm not going to tell any stories on my kids. But let me just tell you, there were some of my kids that were a challenge that when I picked up in preschool ministry, they were waiting on me. And I was like, you're here to talk to me, aren't you, about my child? Yes, we are. Thank you for serving. I love you. So, but I believe, I believe that God will call you to serve in that area. And if he's called you to serve, be obedient. If he hasn't called you, stay out of there. Stay, you, know, you will create a mess. And I would much rather have a vacancy than a mess. Trust me. that's just the way I roll. In our youth ministry, we started a new fifth and sixth grade ministry called Canvas 56. And it happens in our our 10 and 11.30 service now. So if you've got fifth and sixth graders, it's a ministry that that talks and teaches the gospel on their level. We had uh, youth camp for the first time and we've got our kids gearing up for youth camp again. I know the youth ministry is going to be doing fundraisers uh, to help kids go to camp that that need need help getting to camp because it's not a cheap thing. It's not. Um, but what we value, we're going to find ways to get our kids involved with, right? So youth camp is a great thing, and it's a good value. Let me give you some stats um, on our first full year in the facility. 2014, we moved in November 2014, but 2014, our average attendance each week was 365 people a weekend. In 2015, that grew to 520 people a weekend. 
That's a 42% growth. Let me tell you what that means in a church, for, for a church staff. When a church grows by 20%, the church staff is trying to figure out how to do things differently because it's, it's more people we're onboarding. So we spent all of 2015 in a reactionary, how do we do church differently to get the new people coming plugged in? How do we get them in a group? How do we get them engaged in serving? And, and honestly, it was, it was an exhausting year for our team. Midway through the year, uh, Pastor Kevin resigned, and, and I felt God calling our team to absorb that. I said, we're not going to re- backfill his position. Well, for a season, we're going to absorb this. And our team did an incredible job, 42% growth. Just so you know, so far in 2016, our average attendance on a weekend is 617 people. I mean, that's... Last weekend, we launched the third service and over 700 people came to church. I mean, so we're back in that reactionary mode. How do we do church differently? But I love that. If you, if you get to know me, you're going to know one thing. I love change when it comes to organizations. And I love change when it happens in the church because that's what church is all about. It's about life change. It's about us growing. It's about us being transformed and living tomorrow different than we did yesterday. And, and I love that about church. And I love that our staff is engaged in that. We have 163 people that are engaged in serving on weekends. Uh, When we launched, we had 29 people. 163 people six years later is very humbling. We have approximately 300 people involved in community groups. We had over 400 attend community groups in 2015, but some of those semesters repeat, and so we had some repeats. But over 300 people are involved in community. You know what that says? People want relationships. We live in the most connected generation our, our world has ever seen, but we live in the loneliest generation our world has ever seen. And the value is in relationships and community, and we've seen that happen. Um, here, here, I, numbers are important to me. And, and when people talk about numbers at church, well, they're just concerned about numbers. They're just concerned about numbers. Let me tell you something. Here's why I'm concerned about numbers. Because every number has a name. And every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Every person that walks through that door is not just a number of an average attendance. Every person that walks through those doors has a story, and that story matters to God. And every person that walks through that door, our goal every weekend is to make Jesus clear and to love them with everything we've got. Because the church is a place for us to be messed up. And it's a place for Jesus to take us from messed up to a redeemed mess and continue to work on us. Let me tell you something. As your pastor, I'm the biggest mess you'll see. I'm a hot mess. I mean, I, I, during worship, I'm over there. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me clean hands, clean heart, clean mind. God, I'm getting ready to speak your word to your people. Take me that's a mess and speak through me. Do something through me that you can do incredibly. And if you think the numbers get me prideful, let me tell you how God humbles me. God says this to me often. Hey, Matt, I can get a donkey to do what you do. Just read the Old Testament. Talk to a man named Balaam. So, hey, this is the way it rolls. Let's talk about some dollars, some monies. The creek is a church and we got business to conduct. But just so you understand this, a church 
being a business, the bottom line is never a dollar. If the bottom line in a church is a dollar, leave. If the bottom line at the creek becomes about a dollar, you can find out where I'm, where I'm serving because I won't be here. But we've got to talk about the money. Ministry takes money. I mean, our life, you know, all of us, we wish we didn't have to deal with money, but life takes money, right? And some of y'all are de-churched because you're tired of hearing the pastor talk about money. I don't don't want to beat it up, but I can't avoid it either. So let's talk about it. 2014 total income. This is total income was 695,000. 2015 total income was 715,000. Some of you are like, well, we grew 42%. Why didn't our finances grow 42%? When you look at church growth, it takes a little while for money to catch up because some of you are like, I'll, I'll, if you're new, I mean, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna talk from a new perspective for a second. You come into a church, you're like, I like the church, I like the message, I like the music, I like my kids are getting fit, but I don't know if I'm ready to invest in this yet. So it takes time for that decision to be made. What we saw at the end of 2015 is we saw those finances really start seeing, taking a, an uptick. But we did meet our budget. Our budget was $669,000 for 2015. Just so you know, our budget, for because I got asked this after the first service, what's our 2016 budget? It's $858,000. Does that worry me? Absolutely not. Because God is a provider. God is sovereign and he's on the throne and he will fund what he calls us to do. People are like, well, that's why those giving stations are in the back. I don't believe I have to put a bucket or a basket in front of your nose every Sunday to fund the vision that God's called us to do. God will call you as an act of worship to walk back there and put, put your tithes and your offerings in the giving station. That's the sovereignty of God. God will call you. Most of our giving, so you understand, this is... This, this is Crazy, and pastors, when I tell them of this, they're, they're just baffled by this. Over 60% of our giving is online. And, and text to give. You know, the younger, one, younger people like the text to give, but most of our giving is done online. You can go on the website and you can set up regular giving. I set mine up on a schedule. Because left up to me, I'm not, I, I'd forget. So most of our giving comes in online. It's pretty incredible. Um, let me talk to you about what we gave. We gave $49,000 last year. Now that's 705, that is total income. And we give off of the non, it's called non-designated income. And what do I mean by that? Um, designated income is like when you write a check or you go online and you type, you write missions or type missions in that money, 100% of those funds go to missions. When you put women's ministry, when you put youth ministry, when you designate your money to somewhere in the church, 100% goes to what you designated. But if you just, if you just give gen, if you, you know, general fund on your giving, or you leave that memo on your check blank, or you just leave the envelope blank, then that's what we call undesignated. And we tie that we give off of that undesignated amount. And, and you can see a list of where that goes. Africa New Life, we started giving to them in 2015. We've been given to KidStand since we launched. KidStand is a ministry that, that is locally and globally, and they are teaching and training kids the gospel. Um, Leadership Africa, we've been a legacy giver. We've been one of their, their key donors for almost, almost six years. And what we do is we help resource them, and they go into Africa, and they find ministries that are making an impact, and they bring support with resources and training. 
And so we get a great partnership. You've, we've had them come here and they have the Red Earth Trading Company where you've bought the jewelry. And some of y'all are like, I can't believe you're turning the lobby into a, a place of sales. Let me tell you what you're doing by buying that jewelry. You're helping a woman in Africa sustain a living because she's making that jewelry. She's got a trade. And you know what? You're going to buy that stuff anyway, so we're going to redeem it. That's, that's the way I feel. So you don't have to get all Jesus and go, I'm going to turn the tables in the lobby. You know? <laughs> I'll go turn your car over. Um, so, uh, yeah, about that. We give to missionaries. Um, Kingdom Racing, they, their goal is to see a million men saved through motorsports. It's incredible, incredible ministry. We believe in giving. We give to various mini- charities and ministries. Um, Tuesday, storms came through. Heather and I are hunkering down in our bathroom. We're praying for your safety, and we're praying for this building because I fully expected part of this roof to be gone. And so as I'm driving here, I see power poles snapped on Western Center. Um, the gas station, the lid over the, the gas pumps was blown. You might have seen the news story. I mean, so roofs. And I get here, the only damage that we, and it wasn't even damage. The only thing that happened is we had rain come under some of the thresholds. So I grabbed the carpet cleaner and I vacuumed that up. But I found out later that afternoon that the ball field sustained significant damage. Eight of their light poles were busted. Um, they're in danger of having no season. At best, a delayed season. So this week, Creek, we're sending them some money. We're going to be a good neighbor, and we're going to help them play ball because we love them. So if they have eight power poles, to re- eight light poles to replace. It's $8,000, uh, four poles, $8,000 per pole. Um, and so we want the kids to be able to play ball. That's, that's our neighbor. And so I'd rather those kids be playing ball than having to figure out something else to do. So we love giving to those things. Tornado relief. So we love giving to those things. Um, we finished our foundations campaign. That was a campaign of, to raise funds to be able to move into this facility. Um, over three years, the Creek, you guys raised above tithes and offerings. You gave sacrificially $527,546.32. And 32 cents. The reason I put the 32 cents and didn't round up is because your kids were involved in this campaign. And your kids were collecting their change and giving. Every penny matters. And what that afforded us was this project was $1.7 million. We moved in with a loan of $1.225 million. Yes, we have a mortgage. So do you. We, we deal with it, you know. But let me show you this graph. Only 21% of our budget goes to pay for this facility. The rest of it is in ministry. It's in people because the church is not a building. I, Creek, I stood before you bef- back when we launched the campaign and when we talked about this project. And I said, if it means that we have to sacrifice ministry to move into a building, I'm unwilling to do it. And you stood behind me on that. And we were able to move in, and we've not sacrificed ministry, we've grown ministry. We've been able to put a lot in. Here's what I've learned about giving and serving. It changes lives. But the life it changes most is yours. When I give, it changes my life. When I serve, it changes my life. And we step forward in the action of the gospel of seeing lives changed by the message of Jesus So I can stand before you and say the state of the ministry is strong because of Jesus, because he's done incredible things. 
Let me talk to you about this year a little bit. We've made some changes in our staffing. I like change. We've made some changes in our staffing. I want to talk to you about that now. Right now we have 13 staff members. Whether they're interns, part-time, and full-time, we have 13 staff members. And we've been able to secure Pastor Tammy full-time. So, yes, that is exciting. Um, Those of you who know Pastor Tammy, I'll tell you, she cried. Um, So, uh, but we were able to steal her from the corporate world and uh, bring her on full-time as our children's pastor, and she's going to oversee the ministries of preschool through Canvas 56, and then Pastor Trinity, who has served in our capacity as family pastor, and he oversaw birth through college. He's now moving into some more adult roles. He's still going to maintain oversight of our youth ministry, but he's going to be taking on our group's ministry. Um, In that transition last year after Kevin resigned, our team absorbed that, but that season has to end. It was wearing them out. So praise God we were able to to make some changes and shift around to get some some work offloaded of some of our team members, bring full-time on. We hired Joy Carr. She came on with us part-time in an administrative role to help take some of that off because one of the things that I'm concerned about with our team is burnout. I don't believe that ministry should burn us out. It should fill us with life. And so we needed to make sure we structured our team in a way that we were filled with life and we're structured to continue to grow because remember, we're still in that reactionary mode. How do we do church differently because of all these people coming to church? And I love it. I love that God is choosing to grow us. So I'm excited about that. Um, 2016 challenge. Here's the challenge. I'm challenging everyone on capacity. And it's not just adding this third service and say, okay, we added a third service, so capacity's done. I'm challenging you to increase your capacity for ministry. It's not seats and parking spaces and more room for children. It's, God, I'm opening up more space for you to do more in my life. It's John the Baptist. I must decrease and he must increase. So what is your capacity for what God wants to do in your life in 2016? Here's what I want to see as a church. I want to see a minimum of 100 salvations. And every week so far, we've seen salvations and salvations and people, adults and kids, making a decision that I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want to see a minimum of 100. I want to see a minimum of 100 baptisms because that's, that's the following in obedience. Our philosophy is you lead them to Christ, you baptism. I hope your hands are pruny. They're so wet from baptizing people here. If you're like, well, I've been saved and I'm baptized, where do I fall on that? <laughs> You've been transformed by the gospel, so get off your rear end and go tell people about it. You got neighbors that are sitting at home on Sunday morning, invite them, love them. When you invite them, we're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna, we're gonna do everything we do with excellence So you're not embarrassed to invite people to church. You're not embarrassed to invite your family to church. But go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm I'm looking for a minimum of 100 people to go from seat to serving, 100 volunteers, 100 more volunteers. 30 volunteers in our preschool ministry means we don't have to have paid child care workers on Sunday mornings. 
we can minister to them and we can have them on group nights so we can have child care for your group nights. But man, Easter's coming up. Go sign up and start serving at Easter. We'll train you. And then here's one I want to talk to you about. A hundred, a minimum of $100 a month. And let me explain what I'm, where I'm going with this. You know, you hear pastors talk about the tithe and a tithe means 10%. And I grew up feeling a lot of guilt of I can't give the 10% that the pastor's yelling at me about, so I don't do anything. And here's what I know, that when you're overwhelmed financially, the last thing you can think about is, is giving to God. You're not giving to the church, you're giving to ministry. And for some of you, like, I don't, I don't want to give all 10%, I don't want to give that amount of money to the church, fine, give it to charity, be giving, be generous. But in 2015, we had over 700 families, 520 average attendance, but over 700 families that called the creek their home. And so they would rotate in. That's why you see 520 average, but 720. So some of y'all come every other week. And you know, in, in America, people consider average church attendance once a month. But if, if, if every one of the families that called the creek home gave... $25 a week, which adds up to $100 a month with $1,200 a year. The budget we look at for 2016, that's blown out of the water, and I'm trying to figure out where to give money away. But here's what I know. So many of you do a lot more than that. So my challenge to you is if, if you're not doing anything, start somewhere. Start taking, everything about 2016 is the next step. What's the next step? And we're, we're designing things as a staff to help you with what's the next step. We're, we're, we're working on discipleship tracks of what's the next step. Our, our church track, what's the next step? So for some of you, the next step is salvation. Some is baptism. Some is to start serving and some is to start being obedient with giving. And you give based on what God tells you to give. That's the beauty of grace. You're not under a law. I'm not going to harp on you about a 10% thing. I'm going to tell you to hear God and be obedient. Let me, let me talk to you about this idea of hearing God. Go to John chapter 4 if you've got your Bible. Um, John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back uh, table for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. It's our gift to you. And I'm going to quickly, quickly go through this. John chapter 4, verse 39, this hit me in Africa. I was reading through John, and the woman at the well is the, the story in John 4, and we, most of us know the woman at the well. Let me give you a high-level overview. You've got a Samaritan woman and Jesus, who is a Jew. They don't associate. They don't talk to each other. Jesus finds himself at the well, and this woman comes up in the middle of the day. She can't come in the morning with the other women because she's been shamed by her community. She's had several husbands, and the guy she's living with now is not her husband, and she gets into this conversation with Jesus, and she ends up talking to and realizing that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, the one that she has been waiting on, and then she goes back to the village, and let's pick it up, because this is where I tend to skim through the story, but God showed me something really important. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Now here's what jumped off the page at me. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. There's some change that happened. There's some transition that happened. And, and one thing that, that hit me as I was thinking through all these numbers and things that w- I've shared with you about the state of our ministry and the, the, the vision and the mission of the church is this, that every person matters to Jesus. Jesus met this woman at the well and she's broken. She doesn't fit what we typically say in America is the church mold. Many of us grew up in churches that there's this expectation that you look a certain way and you behave a certain way and then you can belong. Let me tell you what happened. When you read scripture, that group, it's called the Pharisees. That wasn't the crowd Jesus hung out with. That wasn't the people that Jesus went to. And every person matters to Jesus. Jesus When he called Matthew, and Matthew was a tax collector. We'll teach on him sometime soon. But Jesus is having dinner with all these tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees, the religious people, they're like, you don't behave the way we do, and you don't act like, so you don't belong. They asked Jesus, why are you hanging out with all the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. You know what I love about the creek? We're full of sick people. Y'all are sick. I'm sick. That's who Jesus came to be with. Jesus said, I didn't call to call, come to call the righteous to repentance, but the sinner. I'm a sinner. And here's what I love, that I matter to Jesus. And that not only do I matter, but Jesus meets people where they are to change them. He met this woman at the well. He's God. There is no accident. It's a divine appointment. And he meets her to change her. He didn't say, go clean up yourself. He didn't withhold salvation from her because of her sin. He didn't say, well, when you can clean yourself up, when you can wear the right thing, when you can speak the right way, when you can clean your language up, when you can get everything in your life under control, then come to me and we'll talk. Now, what does Jesus say? Follow me. The Messiah that you're waiting for, to the woman at the well, the one you're waiting for, I'm him. I love that people can walk through those doors every week and bring their mess. I love that in the hallways of our church, there's been incredible life change because people feel comfortable enough to say, I'm not okay. And people get around you. And Jesus is fine with that. He said, I'm gonna meet you where you are. This is a place for us to meet with Jesus, not for us to look how good we look. Go, oh man, they just got it all together. One of the most impactful conversations I've ever had in a prayer room was a girl that came in and says, I just want to get my crap together. And all I could do was look at her and say, welcome to the club, sister. (laughs) 
But I can tell you this, Jesus is here and he will help us. I love that Jesus is all about reaching out to the hurting and the broken and the sick. But then there has to be a transition. See, the people said, we no longer believe because of what you said, the woman, but we have heard it for ourselves. So there has to be a transition where we experience Jesus for ourselves. See, this woman had a testimony. A testimony is a powerful thing. What is a testimony? It's our story with Jesus. This is my life before. See, that woman went to the well with a story that mattered to Jesus because he redeemed it for his glory. And that became an invitation for other people to meet Jesus. She goes back to the town. She says, you got to come and meet this, this guy. You got to come and meet the Savior. You got to come and meet Jesus. And people came because of her story. See, in Revelation 12, it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So they came based on that. But then they said, we don't believe because of what you said. We believe now because of what Jesus is saying. And we've experienced him for ourselves. So this transition that happens is this. You know, there are people at the creek that when they leave, they say, Pastor Matt said this. And I pray every day that when I speak, God speaks through me. And I know I get in the way. And I know I mess it up every week. And I have to apologize to my family. And I have to tell them to edit stuff out on the podcast. See, the people here the podcast, they get the good service. You guys hear it on Periscope. It's going worldwide. And you never know what's going to come out of this mouth. But many people leave here and say, Matt said this. But then the next transition is people go, well, Matt said the Bible says this. Matt said God said this. And so you're going back to your family like, well, well, church, you know, Matt said the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. Matt said the Bible says to follow Jesus and to serve him and to love him with all your heart. But the transition has to come to this. It's no longer Matt said and Matt said the Bible says, but God spoke that when you come in here, you're getting fresh revelation from the word of God, not from Matt. Not from a sick, broken sinner, but through the perfect word of God. That's the revelation that happens. And God's speaking to every one of us. And the question is, you have to ask yourself is, Am I experiencing Jesus for myself or am I trying to live off the words that Matt said or the testimony of your family or or whoever it is? But God is speaking to you. He's calling you to take that next step. For some of you, that next step is salvation. It's the day, today is the day that he says, you know what? Give it all to me. Surrender all of you for all of me. Put your life in my hands and let me do it. Let me give you the peace that no matter what you face, that it is going to be well with your soul. And that may be the next step for some of you. The next step may be I've made a decision, but you know what? I'm going to go public with this. It's time for me to get baptized. For some of you, it's like, you know what? I'm hearing God tell me that he's put a ministry on my heart and I'm going I'm to start serving in that ministry. There's future group leaders sitting in here right now. There's future kids leaders, small group leaders in children's ministry. Some of y'all are crazy enough and called to be youth leaders and y'all need to step up. They need you. Some of you have 
talents and abilities musically and vocally that need to be on this platform. Not for you, but for the glory of God. Some of you, God's calling you to be obedient. Say, you know what? Where your treasure is, there your heart is. So start putting your treasure in me. Take the next step. I love my church. I love you because you are the church. And I love the ministry that we've seen, the faithfulness of God, and I love what's going to happen in 2016 as we take these steps. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your church. Thank you for life. You have called the church to life, and I thank you that this is not a place for us to sit down and shut up, but for us to celebrate what you're doing in our life. God, I thank you for every life changed by the gospel. I thank you for every life that is serving you and that is following you in obedience and their their heart is completely sold out to you. Father, I pray that you give the courage for those that need to take next steps today, that they take that, whether that's a step to this altar to say, I'm giving you my life today, Jesus. Today is a day for salvation. Or the next step is to go to Welcome Center and say, it's time for me to go public with this. I'm getting baptized or I'm serving and I'm going to start giving. God, all of these things are for you. So don't let us get caught up on the step but help us to keep our eyes fixed firmly on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.